Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. It's not an Apple Watch. That's some quality-free advertising Apple's got in the <laughs> last couple of days, you. as if they needed it. I bet you John Farrell's watch said it was time for the best 60 minutes of your day. What's good? Coming up, the little brother who's the big man on campus down at Howard University, and why you be making a big mistake if you doubted the NBA's smallest star. And that would be, of course, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, but first, we begin for with rather bad news for Browns fans. But then again, is there any other kind? Uh, number one overall pick, Miles Garrett. Great danger. Left. Browns practice earlier today with a right ankle injury and was unable to return. Garrett will be evaluated tonight, but according to Cleveland.com's Mary Kay Cabot, the Browns already are concerned that Garrett could miss games. Seriously, whoever has the Browns voodoo dial, can you please put it down? Can you please not do this off the top of the show? What? Pile on? No, I'm not piling on. I just... I do feel sorry for Browns fans. And what else is new? A lot of people have felt sorry for them for years, given what they've been through at the quarterback position. And here you have a player, um, the number one overall pick, who is as sure of a bet in terms of them taking him as you could be, given all the needs of this football team. And he's already had an injury earlier this summer, granted not to the same ankle. He was injured at Texas A&M as well, a high ankle sprain. And so if you're a Browns fan, and again, I understand why they're constantly in panic mode and panic mindset, you're thinking, oh my goodness. Expect the worst. Did we pick the fragile guy at this position? But all the right things have been said about him from his teammates, his coaches, Mm -hmm. about his maturity, about his work ethic. Hell, I even like that he was downplaying the meeting with Ben Roethlisberger and saying, hey, I'm going to treat him like any other quarterback. Not that he, he was- wasn't quite saying it like that because earlier this, uh, even before um, he made those comments uh, today, he said that he wanted to chop down Ben Roethlisberger. He was talking kind of t- I like kind the kids, tough and I like big. the kid's mentality. I like his mentality. And what I'm getting at, though, is if you're a Browns fan, you do what you always do when it comes to this team. You talk about Ohio State. You talk about the Indians. You talk about the Indians having won 13 in a row, if and you're not I'm mistaken. Bad. Okay, maybe catching the Astros. Right. You talk you about. Distract yourself you got another year, LeBron James, <laughs> and later on we'll talk about Isaiah Thomas. But no, all jokes aside, oh. look, like it, it, it's it's something, but it's not a sign of things to come. I don't think he's destined to be brittle or destined to be another Browns bust. Just like I'm not going to burden Deshaun Kaiser with all the mistakes of the past. Right. I, I think you can still be excited about his present and his future and still be excited about about Miles Garrett. Let him miss some games first. Let him not play well. I don't blame him for being this dismayed. This guy missed games to start his career, didn't he? I remember that, do you? Giants a little different track record. Odell Beckham Jr. was at practice today, but mostly as an observer. He did some light jogging per reports and has considered progress since this is the first time Odell has done any running since he injured his ankle a couple weeks ago. Here's Odell sounding cautious about his avail- availability against the Cowboys. I wouldn't count it out, yeah. Um, and my heart's just it's just not going to make this easy. Um, so, like I said, it's a day-to-day thing, really trying to get better. Um, oh, it's been two weeks, so I'm itching. I'm itching, but uh, just patience and trusting. Yeah, I don't know how confident I would feel that he was playing if I'm a Giants fan watching his response there. But do they, how badly, I guess, do they need Odell Beckham Jr. to beat Dallas? 
not, in my opinion. First things first, he really, doesn't the, need practice. The best ba- player on the team. Ben McAdoo's always already said he doesn't have to practice this week in order to play. If he's medically cleared, he'll put him out there. So he doesn't need the work. So there's that, okay? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about practice. But, I mean, he's, it'll be nice to have him, and he is their best player. But you have Eli Manning, right? You have the guy who has a, as I like to say, has a Hall of Fame resume, but a lot of people think is a Hall of Famer. So you have Eli Manning. Is that a You're little not bit of shade? It's not shade. It's okay. perspective. It's proper perspective okay. on Eli Manning. I'm not going to derail the answer to your question by getting off onto, onto Eli. I'm saying he's capable of going into Dallas and beating what is not a doomsday defense it's by like, any stretch. It's almost like you're saying, well, if Eli's all that. I, yeah, basically. <laughs> well, you got, but he, they, you got Brandon Marshall this offseason, who right. I know is older but not washed up, in my opinion. You got Sterling Shepard. So you mm-hmm. got plenty, plenty of quality weapons on offense when you don't have to score that many points because your defense locked them down pretty well last year. I'm talking about Dallas's offense. That's a really good defense. I'm not saying that you should automatically look at this as an L, but look, Dallas is one of the best teams in, in, in the division. And as we're about to talk about in a moment, they will be at full strength offensively uh, come Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think they do need him uh, to beat Dallas because it, things just change. The dynamic of that offense just changes no when Odell Beckham is And I don't mean to marginalize or minimize how significant a player he is and how he changes the games, but he's, that's not an excuse if you don't have him. you still got enough talent on both sides to win that game. So you mentioned Cowboys being at full strength. Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension upheld by arbitrator Harold Henderson on Tuesday night. But because of the timing of the announcement, he will be allowed to play on Sunday. A U.S. District Court judge will make a ruling Friday on the injunction Elliott is seeking to prevent the NFL discipline. On the practice field on Wednesday for the only padded practice of the week, and by all accounts, Ezekiel Elliott has been on his game. This game, Sunday night, primetime, week one, Good look or bad look for the NFL that Zeke is on the field? I think it's a bad look. It's a bad look because it's just another reminder of just how ridiculous this entire process has been. And that is not to belittle or diminish the seriousness of the accusations. And, yes, they are still accusations against Ezekiel Elliott despite this uh, suspension being upheld. So now all of a sudden, uh, and I'm not saying that, that when football fans are watching this game, they're going to think – uh, that it will take away their enjoyment from the game. I mean, some people, they, that may be the case, who aren't as necessarily as good as at com- compartmentalizing. But this will be discussed. This will be talked about. It will be a cloud over the game. And all the ugly things that have been about this back and forth between them, it's hard not to see them uh, coming to the surface during all of this. A cloud over the game? No. See, <laughs> here's the thing about the NFL, and the problem is they know it. They always win even when they lose. Mm -hmm. And they've already done their job, which is appear, despite the flaws in the investigation, in the process, appear to be tough at long last on the issue of domestic violence. So he's not out there because Roger Goodell didn't get a tape or Roger Goodell needed video proof or, you know, went soft on the issue. He's out there because Ezekiel Elliott exercised his right to challenge his suspension in court. So they cooperated with the judge because what do they have to lose? Right. They, they're, they're trying to gain credibility in the court of public opinion by saying, look, we, we slapped it with a six-game suspension, okay, per our policy. And our arbitrator upheld it despite all the flaws. Because a judge wanted more time, fine, go play week one. You think people are going to be turned off 
They won't be turned off, but you... No, to the contrary, they're going to tune in. It's more reason to tune in, as if Dallas and New York needed more reason to tune in. But you know what it looks like to a lot of people who already look at how they they handled this entire investigation. Oh, you guys just wanted him available for this primetime game. Like, people are going to put this back on the NFL, even though there was obviously some legalese behind this. Honestly, I think it's just, you're going to serve your six. Now or later, as long as you serve your six. That's all we care about. We care about Article 46 and our process and procedures being upheld. Whether you pay the piper now or later, that's obviously up to the courts. But in the meantime, sure, we'll take you on the field for week one primetime, which any publicity is good publicity. All it's going to do is add more intrigue to the game. It's another storyline to talk about mm. instead of cutting the headlines. Big storyline. Earlier today, Michael Bennett tweeted out a statement detailing a frightening encounter he says he had with the Las Vegas police the day of the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Bennett said he was ordered to the ground and an officer threatened to kill him if he moved. Now, here's a video that TMZ obtained of a portion of Bennett's confrontation with police. Now, the Las Vegas Police Department responded with this tweet earlier this afternoon. Um, They also have said that sometime within this hour, we expect to hear from them. Uh, But for now, here's Michael Bennett earlier today at Seahawks practice. It sucks that the country that we live in now, sometimes you get profiled for the color of your skin. And um, it's a tough situation for me. Um, Do I think every police officer is bad? No, I don't believe that. Do I believe there's some people out there that judge people on the color of their skin? I do believe that. And um, I'm just focused on um, trying to push forward and keep continuously championing the quest for um, justice for people, Um, keep pushing uh, equality for oppressed people. And um, that's that's just what what I'm about and what I keep doing. I know a lot of people are like, oh, did, did he want this on himself? I didn't ask for this moment. It just happened to be me. And um, I'm just lucky to be here to be able to speak about it. I, I, at any moment, I could have made the wrong decision and whether move, it felt like I was resistant or doing something wrong. And you guys would be wearing, the Seahawks would be wearing the patch with number 72 on it. So I'm just lucky to be here right now. When people ask why I sit down, and this is why, this is the things that I go through, what people go through that look like me or people that's, that's going through something different. Uh, Michael Bennett's brother, Martellus, he echoed similar sentiments on Instagram. Uh, He wrote, a lot of people feel like it couldn't happen to them because of status, neighborhood or whatever. But in all honesty, you could be next. I could be next. Your son, daughter, brother, father, grandpa, sister, cousin could be next. Also, here's Pete Carroll offering his support to Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett, uh, unfortunately, experienced a a horrendous incident on August 27th. And uh, we're thankful that he's safe, and, and uh, we take this opportunity to say that we stand for in support of him and anyone facing inequalities. Uh, what happened with Michael is a classic illustration of the reality of inequalities that are demonstrated daily. And, uh, you know, may this incident inspire uh, all of us to respond with compassion uh, when inequalities are brought to light and... Uh, allow us to have the courage to stand for change because we can do better. We can do better than this. Pete Carroll's heart definitely in the right place, but unfortunately that's not what happens because already there's some 
uh, Michael Bennett truthers out there. Um, and that's the classiest thing I can call some of them. But Pete Carroll, uh, he read from a prepared statement that he also tweeted. And it was something that he said in there that really struck me. What happened with Michael is a classic illustration of the reality of inequality demonstrated daily. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think a lot of people don't get and understand is what Michael Bennett experienced is not the exception. It is the rule in so many different regards. And lucky for him, as he even said himself, that this could have turned into an extremely tragic incident with, ironically, somebody who has taken up this fight from Colin Kaepernick, who also tweeted uh, his support and said that he stood with Michael Bennett um, in in a tweet that he posted at, at some point today. There it is on the screen. And a lot of people have questioned Michael Bennett's motivations, Colin Kaepernick's motivations. This is what they're motivated by. And I just don't know how many different languages we need to say this in for people to understand and to take hold that this is real. And it's not just happening to Michael Bennett. Luckily for him, his name is Michael Bennett, because a lot of people wouldn't be hearing about this right now. His fame, notoriety, his platform is the equivalent of camera phones. You know, uh, once these encounters started getting recorded and shared on the Internet in recent years, many of us recognize that. Think about all the times this has happened when it hasn't been caught on camera. So this is happening to Michael Bennett. We're talking about it, but this probably happened to to some person of color, some African-American, some Latino, some Muslim in the last few minutes somewhere in America. This is people's everyday experience. But you said what people don't get, you know, the feeling of disappointment is, is, is a direct result of your expectations. And even though we've seen this movie play out time and time again with different actors, it's still no less disappointing to see how certain people are prone to instinctively rush to legitimize, normalize, marginalize, minimize, trivialize anything you can think of to discredit this experience. You know, because they say that the the first step to solving the problem is admitting that you have one. There are way too many people in this country and way too many people in high places in this country who still won't admit that we have a race oh, problem in this or country. Or they admit it in the, asp- in the abstract. Like, I really hate when people say, oh, I know racism exists, but that's just not the case here. Well, well if it exists, where? Who? When? It has to exist somewhere if you acknowledge that there is a problem, right? And a lot of this has a lot of this has to do that people there are some people who are in, in a privileged enough position to not want to believe that this is really America. They just don't want to believe they it. Choose not they to. choose not to because no, they, they because if you believe to. that this is in America, then you have to believe and and think about and really sit down and reflect. What does this say about me that I take a part and I gain advantages from this very system? See, well, I'm glad you said system, because the one thing in Michael Bennett's tweet this morning, his, his very eloquent letter that I took exception to was when he said the system failed me. Because as you know, I know, and most of us know, a system cannot fail those it was not designed to protect in the first place. And part of the system is continuing to perpetuate the idea of African-American man as threat. That's how it continues to get validated. These actions were what people say, don't rush to judgment when it comes to the police, but they're quick to put the, the alleged victim on trial or the person that the police are sworn to serve and protect that's been violated or feels he's been violated quick to put him on trial. What did you do? What didn't we see? What did you do? Why didn't you, why didn't you obey? Why didn't you listen to commands? So for me, it's just, it's the same conversation going around in circles over 
and over again. And it's just disheartening to see the reaction to it. And it shouldn't matter that he is Michael Bennett. That's the point. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't matter how much money you have, how you dress. And that was probably, he put it, oh, look, Jay-Z said it recently. We've been saying this since the beginning of the time. You're still just another one, no matter what you've accomplished. And he goes through this now. And for all the people who said to him and Colin Kaepernick, well, what do you have to complain about? You're rich. You're playing a game. You, ha- you can't relate to the people that you're fighting for. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can. And imagine a child in that situation. Michael Bennett's a grown man. Imagine how often teenagers and children are traumatized in that way and their lives are never the same. How many people, they may not lose their lives in those situations, but emotionally, mentally, and psychologically, they're scarred for life. Because even if you haven't experienced that, if you look like Michael Bennett, you know you can. You know you can be next even if you haven't. What, what, experiencing that fear in your day-to-day life, that's not what this is supposed to be about. We can go on and on, and yet people are going to find ways oh, to discredit we'll discuss everything. this again, I'm sure, this issue. Bucks at Dolphins postponed until week 11 in place of both teams' bye week, meaning they'll play 16 straight weeks without a break, and their rescheduled week 11 game is coming off a short week for Miami, which doesn't get to play a true home game until October 11th. But obviously player safety takes a back seat to the people in the path of Hurricane Irma, a Category 5 monster with potentially catastrophic winds of 185 miles per hour. Our NFL insider, Jeff Darlington, is, of course, in uh, Miami, Florida. With Bucks, Dolphins postponed, and, and best to you and your family, Jeff. We, we talked yesterday about you getting them out of town. Uh, we understand that they are safe. Uh, postponement until Week 11. Miami won't get to see its home field at Hard Rock Stadium until October 8th, as I mentioned. What's been the reaction from the Dolphins in the grand scheme of things, Jeff? Well, I would say that the reaction has changed. I think that uh, originally there were some players, and maybe they continue to be frustrated by the fact that they will have to play 16 straight games. I did notice as soon as the NFL did decide to postpone the game officially, there seemed to be a change in tone here at the Dolphins facility and really from the players that I'd spoken to that they just shifted away. They said, this is the bye week now, onto the bye week, and it's time to get ready for the storm. And I think that... Uh, I sensed at least that for some of these people, they went from being football players to South Florida residents. And there is a strong distinction when you look at the projections of this storm. Uh, I saw Cameron Wake go into a, a closet nearby where I'm standing right now to pick up a bunch of pallets of water, throw them in his trunk and get out of here. They deflated this uh, indoor facility behind me for the first time in 12 years. This facility is designed to withstand some serious hurricane force winds. When they take this bubble down, that shows you, I know it's just symbolism here, but it shows you the seriousness that we here in South Florida are taking this storm, which certainly supersedes the possibility of a football game anywhere, whether here or somewhere else, when the families of some of these players will be here in South Florida. So that is the tone that I have sensed. Adam Gase, to his credit, told his players, we're going to deal with the cards that we've been dealt, go protect your family, and we'll get back to football once this storm passes. And again, again, your loved one's in good shape, Jeff? Oh, yeah, we're good right now. I'm going to get out of here and go put up some some more shutters and uh, hope for the best. I'm not alone down here. South Florida community is, you know, it's we're just hoping this thing doesn't hit. That's all. all. We hope that on Monday everybody wishes that uh, this game was moved elsewhere. We hope on Monday we find out that the game could have been played because exactly. that would mean we dodged a bullet. Exactly. Right. We good do perspective. not want to deal Good perspective with this once thing. again, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We're yeah. thinking about you. Stay safe for sure. A shout-out to whoever put a few bucks on Howard to upset UNLV. Howard was a 45-and-a-half point underdog and beat UNLV 43-40 in Vegas. 
Behind the heroics of that man there, quarterback Kalen Newton, yep, Cam's brother, Howard pulled off the largest upset in college football history via point spread. Now here's Cam on trying to live up to the younger Newton. He has that it factor to let or, or to have guys follow him. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's what you want in your quarterback, you know, for people to take a program like Howard, to take a program that isn't necessarily known for certain things and, and, and changing the whole retrospective of the way people think. And I've just been seeing a lot of Cam Newton, little brother, Cam Newton, little brother. You know, I just would prefer him, his name just be Kalen. You know, he's deserved that right. Hopefully, you know, this is not the, 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 um, the highest point of his career. With him being a, a true freshman, you know, he's still got a long way to go. Kalen, as much as you admire your brother, do you feel the same way? Are you already sick of hearing Cam Newton's little brother? Would you prefer to just be Kalen Newton? Of course. You know, I've been trying to be Kalen Newton my whole life, I would think. But, you know, I guess it comes with the territory. When people see me and see the last name, they see... I guess, the most famous. But, I mean, I'm trying to be my own man. I am my own man, and I will hope that people respect that. Well, I think people definitely respect it now after that big win uh, for Howard. So give us some idea of what this week has been like for you following such a huge upset victory. I mean, do you get, are you getting extra mambo sauce wherever you're going? <laughs> what's this Excuse week? Excuse from class. Right? What, what's the week been like? Well, it's been good. You know, uh, great vibes around the whole campus. Uh, I haven't yet we got some mumbo sauce, but, you know, I've been eating good, living good, sleeping good. It's just been an amazing experience. So are you just coming off the practice field or are you just rocking the uniform all week? Because if I were you, I would. I wouldn't have taken off my uniform all week. I'd have been big man on campus. You just finished practice, though, I assume. <laughs> right, I just finished practice. Um, I haven't took my... Uniform off since you. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I wouldn't have a roommate if I didn't take my right. if I didn't take my uniform off. But <laughs> uh, I've been living good, man. You know, uh, it's on to the next one though. Well, I was going to ask you too. Like, I'm sure you guys are on a high, but but how do you enjoy the win and appreciate what you accomplished, and yet continue with this culture change that you guys are trying to uh, instill at Howard? How do you kind of put that behind you and move on despite all-time great upset? Uh, just hard work, you know, uh, speaking it to existence. You know, uh, all week we've been saying we're going to do it again, we're going to do it again. And, you know, hard work pays off. You know, the story's already written. As my OC would like to say, uh, Coach Marion, he said, you know, it's already written. We just have to show up pretty much. You know, if we work hard, work hard, work hard, good things will happen. What, tell us what Mission Possible means to your program. Mission Possible, uh, Coach. London has multiple quotes that keeps us going. You know, every day it's a speech. Every day he has us ready to go. You know, uh, Mission Possible means everything. It means show class, go to class, and treat people with dignity and respect. Uh, he's a father figure to all of us right now. Um, it's we, ours, and us. You know, this team is doing big things right now, and it's Mission Possible in every category. Now, coming out of high school, you drew some interest from Kentucky Christian University, Texas Southern, Savannah State, but you settled on Howard. Why? Howard, it was just the grace of God. You know, uh, my father said, uh, we're going to look at Howard. And the coach there had just left, and it was just a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer. But I came to Howard, and at the time, you know, I really couldn't see why my father could 
But I just trusted God and trusted my father, trusted my family, and everything worked out perfectly. You know, it couldn't have went better. So you are Cam, okay, just for purposes of this question, you are Cam Newton's little brother, but he does take advice for you because we were reflecting earlier today. I feel like this was the Titans game from a couple of years ago when he mentioned you at a press conference and he said that you told him to dab on them folks. <laughs> that was you, right? Yeah, it was me. Okay, so, so who's the best dancer between you and Cam? Uh, the best dancer? Hmm. I mean, I got rhythm. You know, bow-legged old me. Uh, <laughs> this lower body, it's just, it's tricky, you know. If you see the pictures now, I'm, I got a lot going on lower body-wise, so he can have the dancing. You know. Okay, well, speaking of pictures, we spotted some pictures of you. Uh, who's the more um, adventurous dresser? between the two of you? Who's got the more interesting fashion sense? Well, he'll go above and beyond to, to just get looked at. <laughs> but for me, you know, uh, I like to show off my legs. You know, I take some skinny jeans, you know, show, show off my both legs. I, I think the ladies like it. I think everybody like it. But uh, as far as him, he likes to tell. I'm not sure what he has going on a lot of times, but I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes, <laughs> waiting on my time where I can go shopping. You know, right now I'm wearing Howard Bison. All right, now I don't know if you can see it, but we have a photo of you at prom and... Man! You look clean, man. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that look, but what went into the, the thought process behind that outfit? <laughs> that outfit, well, I wanted to go out with a bang, you know. Um, it was my senior year. Uh, Cam was encouraging me to go out with, go out with a bang, go out with swag. And what better way to go out with gold? Um, I went to a, a local guy downtown Atlanta, uh, and he hooked me up. My father, you know, he looked at it, he looked at it, and he was like, you sure that's what you want? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I don't want to look normal. I'm not the old school, going to Bible study type of fit. I was ready to show out. Well, uh, you certainly are showing out on the football field. Personality, so all that runs in the no family. No doubt that you are showing out uh, whenever you go out. So good luck, Kaylin, the rest of the season. Um, maybe we'll be talking about how yeah. we're pulling more upsets as the season progresses. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. H-U, you know. <laughs> so IT took to IG, posted a video entitled The Book of Isaiah, Hashtag keep doubt and hashtag killer season. Uh, some behind the scenes from his rehab. It was voiced by, among others, our own Jamel Hill. I mean, she took a clip from the right. basically. Took a, glad he was watching. So if you do two things today, if you read two things, read Tom Haberstroh on the significance and seriousness of IT's injury and read IT's first-person account of the trade on the Players' Tribune. This is one of the quotes from it. Yeah, I'll just say it. That stuff hurt, talking about the trade. It hurt a lot. And I won't lie, it still hurts. It's not that I don't understand it. Of course I get it. This is a business. Danny Ainge is a businessman, and he made a business move. I don't agree with it just personally, and I don't think the Boston Celtics got better by making this trade, but that's not my job. Read the full thing for yourself. Jamel, you read it. <laughs> what's your, uh, well, what do you mean? What's your biggest take? Well, I did when he said, but that's not my job, but that's not any of my business. He might as well have No, I, I got that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, Actually, what, what you put there, that was my overall takeaway from the piece. And I think because we live in a, a, a sports society that's very desensitized when it comes to the movement of players, mm -hmm. um, their transactions, and especially with the advent of fantasy sports, is yeah. that 
that makes them see players as even less than human. And I appreciated the fact that he admitted that it hurt and that, the, as he just said, the fact that it still hurt. And I think a lot of times it's funny because when players react emotionally to being traded, as he has, they tell them they're being soft. Right. Or they tell him to suck it up. You getting paid millions of dollars. Who cares? You know, move on to the next. But when KD and he's talked about this, decides to leave, then the fans want to get in their feelings and then they want their feelings to be respected. And so I guess uh, what this some re- of those are apples to oranges. Sorry to cut you off. Some yeah. of those are apples to oranges. I know. Sometimes I, I, I don't think you can make a general blanket statement about, well, players take their career in their own hands. Fans get mad. Teams deal players. Fans, but that, but that is what happens, though. Sometimes it's a little. There's some nuance there, involved, but sometimes continue. there is. But nevertheless, I think they people get wrapped up in, into not understanding that this is for players, regardless of what the paycheck says. Mm-hmm. This is a lifestyle change. They have oh, families have to tell that are kids. rooted. Yeah. Thankfully, his kids took it well. Yeah, especially his son, who was like, "Oh my God, Dad, you get to play with LeBron." Yeah. So I think bringing this emotion to it, it just kind of added. Uh, it, it just made me, in a lot of ways, feel some level of empathy for a lot of Boston fans who were very upset about the fact that IT was traded. Well, and I was just simply pointing out that I don't know that you can always compare every transaction made by the player in this day and age to the ones made by the team. That said, though, there are people that that's never going to resonate for. People are never going to see the hypocrisy or the inconsistency in that because I think most people look at the team as their team. So they're always going to take the side of their team as in you abandon us. You abandoned this community. You abandoned this franchise, which I support. I supported you. So the, that's for the Katie example, for, exa- for instance. Like, even though IT was different, he poured his heart and soul into Boston, mm-hmm. loved the city, loved the organization. It moved on from him. I don't think people are going to now have a paradigm shift as it comes no. to player empowerment. All that said, I don't dare doubt IT. I read Tom Haberstroh's piece. It was discouraging about the effect that these labrum tears can have on players. I don't dare doubt IT. I'm rooting for him, as we all are, uh, but it was discouraging. It's not about the will, way. it's about the body. Um, there's Uncle Drew getting some buckets. Now, Isaiah Thomas, he just said, as you pointed out, Mike, that the Cavs are a team nobody wants to see and that he didn't think Boston got better. Well, nobody told that to Danny Ainge, who explained why Kyrie will be even better this season. I think you'll see that he's a better passer. Um, I think the people that watch Kyrie play a lot can see his passing and his potential there as a passer, but LeBron was pretty much the point guard in Cleveland, and Kyrie was a, a point guard often when Ky- when LeBron wasn't on the court and so forth, but I think that he's a fantastic passer, and then I think, you know, defensively he's got to improve, and and I think that he will in Brad's system. Mm. So you buying that, Mike, that Kyrie will be a better playmaker, passer, and defender in Boston than he was in Cleveland? I am. I think he has the potential to. Just like I said a second ago, as I was saying about Isaiah Thomas, I would not, uh, you know, doubt this this man's heart and this man's will to come back and allow Cleveland to continue to contend with his help. I'm not going to doubt Kyrie Irving's desire to evolve, not just a change of scenery to escape Cleveland and be the the person that, in theory, the organization consults. I think. I don't think he's going to get that in Boston, but be the face of a franchise or, or something like the face of a franchise. I don't think it's just about that. I think he does want to grow and evolve as a basketball player. And Brad Stevens coaches a different way. So the systems, the sets, the culture, the demands, the, the, the environment, 
no slight to Cleveland in this level of expectations, but look, having spent most of my adult life in Boston, it's different up there. Yeah. They got a different level of expectations. So I think there is going to be a lot of scrutiny on him, even though he didn't, he's not going to be carrying a team. And he even downplayed the notion of carrying the team. I think there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on him to see him be better in the areas that people have recognized are weaknesses for him, like his playmaking ability, like his defense. When engaged, he can, he can do whatever he wants with a basketball. Anything he wants with a basketball. Get wherever he wants on the court. I think he can change his mentality and be more of a distributor than he has been. He has to be with the players he has. I think Kyrie will be looking to prove a point. Exactly. Um, look, the whole reason why a lot of people just balked at the idea of him even asking out of Cleveland, uh, especially after they'd already won, was because there was this basic notion that Kyrie, you're just not that guy. You're not that guy to ask for whatever it is you, you are asking for and seeking outside of, of LeBron James. You're better off staying foot and staying underfoot beneath him. That's your best position. And I think that's something that's going to motivate him. He knows that people think people believe he's not capable of certain things. And I think that could be the best thing for him to come to this situation. And not only that, how many times have we seen players that play with LeBron James? He's so great that subconsciously and consciously you start to put everything on him. Oh, LeBron oh, has no that. Oh, no question. Right? Like, yeah, you kind of take, take him for granted Your a little bit. Your circumstances kind of make you a little lazier in certain exactly. respects. Exactly. Yeah. Under this coach, this situation, this he, organization, he can't He knows that. the narrative. He knows the, hey, what were you before LeBron got there? Right. What were you when LeBron was off the court? That's why I said he really hit the jackpot because he went to a team where he does not have to be everything. He just has to be a better Kyrie. Let's stay in Boston. Let's take it or leave it real quick. Buster only says the Red Sox high-tech cheating and side stealing on steroids. Take it or leave it. That Major League Baseball needs to come down hard on the Red Sox. As I pointed out yesterday when this story broke, I have a hard time. I'm leaving this because I have a hard time trying to understand the the hypocrisy and all the different layers and nuance with the cheating rules in baseball. Dave Dombrowski saying, oh, I don't consider this cheating. Well, Okay, it's different levels to it. So hit hard, no. Slap on the wrist, I can the definitely The expectation is that's going to be a fine or, or maybe some of the parties involved might get suspended. But um, I'm going to take it and from this respect. If you're serious about the rule, you got to enforce it. Because if you're going to do something that's not going to discourage them or dissuade them from doing it, who, who's to say somebody else won't do it? If you're not going to actually penalize them where it hurts. There's a buzzer now. A slap on I don't care about no damn buzzer. <laughs> I'll keep going. A penalty is not going to dissuade them if they can't actually feel it. So if you're serious about the rule, be serious about the punishment. All right. Well, now we can move on. <laughs> Glover Quinn of the Lions says, Larry Fitzgerald tells his defenders, hit me high and I'll just pay the fine. Just avoid the knees. Take it or leave it. Fitz. Paying defenders fines for this reason. And I'm going to take it for two reasons. One, Larry Fitzgerald, one of the classiest and smartest guys. I think he probably meant it, that he would mm-hmm. pay the fine. And I'm going to take it because this is, in spite of all the head trauma awareness, this is the reality in the NFL. A lot of players would much rather get hit low, or get high, excuse me, and be out for a couple of plays or a week than hit low and out for the season. Yeah, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. tweeted something uh, very similar today about how he would be willing to put in on fines if it meant uh, that he wasn't in the situation he's in now where people don't know whether or not he's going to play. So for a lot of guys, this is what that means. Oh, good job. See, I, I saw you did that. I saw you did that. I saw you did that. I'm a little too, keep, I'm a, I'm a little keep, too Kyrie that's why. right now. <laughs> Nobody worry about Jeremy. Uh, Seahawks <laughs> unveiled a new alternate logo with a face-forward beat. Take it or leave it. Leave this. That's ugly. Like ostrich. Like, is that supposed to be menacing? 
kind of is. You know what their defense is? I'm going to take it. It's kind of growing on me. An ostrich-looking Look, Seahawk thing. See, I'm not looking at the logo. I'm looking at the, the, the people behind the logo. Oh, they're, they're, the guys, they're fierce. They're, that's what I'm saying. Yes. But and an ostrich will, will chase you down. <laughs> you, have, you have a lot of experience with No, I just, I've just done the research. <laughs> ostrich are nothing to play with. They might be. Look, they might look Tell nice. Tell us more, uh, you know, Ron Miguel. Like, <laughs> Tell us more about that. I think I was. I think no. I, I was watching. I was watching Tarzan. That, that with uh, Margot only because Margot you Robbie and Sam Jackson were in it. Wrap it up. Dude. So yeah. Anyway, the defense is loaded. <laughs> time for the doing too much countdown, uh, where we engage stupidity from time to time. Here's How's Ray Lewis. different from the rest of the show? <laughs> Here's Ray Lewis telling us why the Ravens didn't sign Colin Kaepernick. We were gonna close the deal. To sign him. To sign him. All we wanted to hear was hear Colin Kaepernick speak. Did you Steve ever hear? Bishotti, did you ever hear him speak? Steve Bashadi said, "I want to hear Colin Kaepernick speak to let me know that he wants to play football." And what, what I've been saying for the last it six never months happened. because of that picture comes out the next day. So now it's about a photo. Okay, so your head's where I, right. the creativity. So haircut, girlfriend photo. Not good enough. They need to hear from him. Need to hear from him. Vegan. Whatever. He wasn't getting signed, man. Yeah, it's, man. it's okay to admit it. And now, I mean, look, I, I can't speak for on the relationship of Ray Lewis and the Ravens, but it just felt like he just went out of his way to make sure that he created another reason to why Colin Kaepernick isn't signed. We know what it is. It's this whole right. story is doing too much, and there are just certain people who have turned this into. Never mind. I'm, I, I, yep, that's all right. By the way, inside the NFL, showtime. That's where you find it. Marshawn Lynch got his first pedicure while appearing on a DraftKings video. Mike, do you get pedicures? Nope. Why not? No. Mm. no I, I mean, I just don't. I think men should get pedicures. I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of guys are Why like, Why is he doing too much? <laughs> because it's Marshawn Lynch, oh. right? Yeah. And we have to find awesome reasons to talk about him in the show. One of the interesting things about this is... He talked about how he didn't really, you know, he was reflecting on the Seahawks and not getting the ball mm-hmm. and how it was, a, it was kind of a good thing that happened. Turn the frown upside down? He sure did. Everything okay. happens for a reason. I clipped my toenails. Well, my that's, that's the basic of what you should do. Uh, Bryce Harper, he has pretty awesome hair. We found out a way to make it awesomer, if I may make up a word. I mean, I got cornrows. I feel looking like Riley. <laughs> Riley Freeman. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, I do too. I I, I dig it. Push the envelope, man. Yeah, look. Push the envelope. I just want him to hopefully have purchased some Sopre or Blue Magic and a do-rag. I just want him to get healthy. To go along with that. I want him to get healthy too. That's what I want. Well, you know, they say greatness sometimes is through your hair, and that is greatness about. (laughs) It might do cornrows one day. Uh, Yo, if Odell Beckham can't suit up. (laughs) Go find this guy. Jeez, he... He did he outrun? And he was further behind. Like he running to watch the six. <laughs> U.S. Open's quarterfinals. U.S. Women's quarterfinals, excuse me. Coco Vandeweghe taking on Carolina Pliskova. World number one. Took the first set 7-6. Coco up 3-1 in the second set. Consecutive strong forehands for a winner. Later in the second set. Vandeweghe now up 5-3. Has Pliskova on the run. Watch this. Watch the forehand, backhand, forehand combo for the win. Ooh. Spice. And serve to become a third American 
to advance to the semis. Third American woman to advance to the semis. Never thought I would say this, but maybe it's been somewhat of a good thing that Serena wasn't at the U.S. Open. because Everybody else gets a shot. Let's yeah. go, Madison Keys. That's right. You can have three African-American women in the semis. Katrina must be smiling. Katrina Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Before we call it a day, tell people we had a good day. All right, The Rock, he kept his promise and met with 10-year-old Jacob O'Connor, who saved his two-year-old brothers wow. from drowning in their family pool back in August. He performed CPR on his brother because it was something he learned in The Rock's movie, San Andreas. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, Shout out to our colleague, Victoria Arlen. She will compete on this season of Dancing with the Stars. It's a year and a half after she regained the ability to walk. It's been nearly a decade paralyzed from the waist down. She's with T.O. and Derek Fisher. Fisher. That's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow.